All right, it's time for Baldry's Beat. Keith Baldry, Legislative Bureau Chief for Global News. Good morning, Keith. Good morning. So we just started talking uh, earlier on the show in the first hour about the Metro Vancouver housing crunch, the uh, unaffordability yeah, crisis. And I know you're listening to that. And the especially the provinces, we've had a flurry of bills from this provincial government here on housing. Among the more controversial ones is this multiplex plan that would uh, uh, threatens to force municipalities to densify. Right, yeah, to build four plexes. And, go it's ahead. the biggest, most comprehensive housing legislation we've ever seen, and it's significant uh, altering of the powers of municipalities yeah. when it comes to zoning and housing. I mean, we've never seen anything like this. Yeah. Um, and so you've got some mayors uh, fighting back, saying, no, it doesn't work in our community. Right. Other mayors are embracing it. Uh, it's going to be an ongoing conversation. We're into an election year next year, so I don't think the government, I've been predicting this, I just don't think it's in the government's interest to pick a lot of fights. Mm -hmm. So I think this is going to be a drawn-out conversation with, you know, whether it's Langley Mayor Eric Woodward, um, other mayors have spoken out and are concerns about some of them. Richard Stewart phone, I was on with Jazz Johal last week, and Richard Stewart, Mayor Coquitlam phone, and said that we've got, you know, some issues with this. And, and Richard Stewart pointed out things like, there literally are not enough planners. Yeah. <laughs> working to rezone all these zoning changes. Yeah. Uh, so just the human resources aspect of that is tough. And then you got, again, mayors raising the infrastructure problem. Yeah. Uh, I talked to Mayor, Surrey Mayor Brenda Locke when she was here recently for a visit. She wasn't here to talk policing. She was here to talk housing. And she points out there's a huge area of Surrey that is undeveloped that is likely going to be um, a housing development, but there's no hydro. Yeah, <laughs> like, no hydro. There's yeah. no hydro. That's just the starting point. She says, how do you build housing when there's no hydro? Yeah. And if anyone has dealt with hydro, hydro, sure, they'll build a power line, and it's going to cost you a lot of money. Yeah. And municipalities are worried about that. So, yeah, it's, it's going to be a fascinating conversation through the year. Okay, so I spoke to Craig Cameron about it on the show today. So he is a former city councillor in West Vancouver, very critical of his own community for not approving enough housing. Mm -hmm. Then I asked him about some of the mayors who were pushing back on this, saying, "Don't you're forcing us too far here, too fast, too far here. And he calls it the can't-do attitude mm -hmm. that he's seeing from some municipalities. And specifically, Eric Woodward, the outspoken mayor of Langley Township, asked him about his opposition to the provincial plan. Here's what he had to say. Craig Cameron. Mayors like Mayor Woodward really should stop spending their time explaining why they don't like what's happening and start getting with the program and, and figuring out how they can make it work and instead of complaining about the measures that are patently necessary. I mean, we need more housing. I don't think he would yeah. disagree with that. He just wants to do it on the, on the, on the slow train, and that's not working. Your thoughts? Well, yeah, I mean, and there's a lot of people who agree with that sentiment, obviously. Yeah. You know, there is, there's a lot of support for, for some of these plans, but there is going to be the inevitable pushback by elected officials who view this as their number one responsibility. You know, you look at municipalities, zoning is a pretty big deal for mm -hmm. municipalities, sure. um, community plans and such. Uh, so there's obviously going to be some pushback and, and some push forward. So this, again, this is going to be a fascinating debate throughout the year between mayors and councils and the provincial government. I don't think Ravi Kale on the housing ministry is going to use any ministerial power to over, override a municipality. As, as you pointed out, and I think this is a really important point, he just has the discretion to force this yeah. through, right? Yeah, yeah, it's sort of this, this doesn't have to do it. sword hanging over everyone. That, yeah. that he doesn't have to do it, and I don't think he will do it in an election year. Yeah. You know, the election's either going to be in the fall or in the spring, and I just don't think, particularly when Eric Woodward's the mayor of Langley, yeah. So the NDP won two seats in Langley in the last election. First time ever. Yeah. A beachhead. Mm. Uh, uh, Langley's getting a third seat. Yeah. Langley's cool. becoming a very important political battleground. Yeah. 
Brandon Locke's got some concerns. Surrey's getting an extra seat. Yeah. You know, these are these. Does are, he want to pick a fight? Do you want to pick a fight on yeah. something like this? Um, but I don't. I don't think the government's going to back off. I just think it's going to go slow. Yeah. Yeah. Really interesting. Okay. Speaking of provincial politics and the next election, man, these opinion polls coming out that just shows. Uh, the continuing spiral downward of BC United, the former BC Liberal Party, right? Yeah. I mean, this is bad for Kevin Falcon. You, Your political cir- circles are buzzing over this Abacus data poll that came out yesterday. Yeah, that shows now the the Conservatives, the BC Conservatives, yeah, now with a significant lead over BC United, who's dropped to a di- so BC and NDP forty four percent, BC Conservatives twenty six percent. United 17%, Green Party 9%. Both the United and the Greens are hemorrhaging. And this is a, this is a potentially a, a political realignment that we're seeing. We haven't seen this, something like this since 1991, when the social credit government, who had been in power for years, literally disintegrated in front of our eyes, yeah. and a whole mass of voters went to a party no one had ever considered before, which was the BC Liberal Party. Right. And it wasn't just liberals, it was Socrates yeah. flocking to this new vehicle. And I remember the 91 campaign, Glenn Clark, who was the you know, uh, real crackerjack member of the NDP caucus, phoning me in the middle of the campaign saying the liberals could win this thing. He says their tracking was showing that the liberal vote was, was spiking yeah. and freaking the NDP out. It was supposed to cakewalk to win. So Clark holds a news conference on Thanksgiving Day weekend and demolishes the B.C. Liberal platform. They never really had any scrutiny paid for them. And that stopped the trajectory of the Liberals and allowed the NDP to win with a split vote between the Socreds and the Liberals. Today, we're seeing this hemorrhage of vote away from the once powerful B.C. Liberal government party into this fledgling B.C. Conservative party that no one's ever heard about. Yeah. I think a lot of some of this is attributed to the peer poll. They have the wave associated with Conservatives federally. You know, I think they're riding on the coattails of that. Sure. But something else is going on here because BC United's profile is zero. We keep waiting for the rebranding. It's not happening. Kevin Falcon, their leader, acknowledged last week they're having fundraising problems. They can't, they're having trouble raising money. It takes a lot of money to have a rebranding campaign. So, and it was interesting. David Eby was asked on Jazz Joe Hall show yesterday, who's your main political opponent? Let's let's listen to his answer here yeah. because we cut this was a really interesting interview by Jazz with the Premier yesterday. So here is David Eby. So Jazz Joe Hall asked him, Who is the real opposition here in BC to against your government? Have a listen. The anxiety I have is in the growth of the Conservative Party. Here you have a party that's anti-science, anti-vaccine. The biggest threat they see uh, to kids is teachers and school librarians. Uh, They deny that uh, human-caused climate change is real or that carbon dioxide is a pollutant. And they bring the worst of the American culture wars uh, to British Columbia. This is something that's ripped apart the United States. Thoughts? Well, the second part of that answer, he actually complimented the BC United Party for believing in science. So he's he's basically acknowledging there's not a, the, the gulf between his party and the conservatives is far wider than the gulf between his party and the BC United party. Sure. And I've heard this debate. I've talked to cabinet ministers and senior veterans of the NDP for a few weeks now who have been saying, "Hmm, is it time to train our sights on the BC conservatives if BC United's going nowhere?" Even though they've got way more seats in the house. Well, the house isn't in session now. House doesn't sit till February. So between now and February, watch for the NDP 
to be more vocal about the B.C. Conservatives than they are about the B.C. Isn't the rise of the B.C. Conservative Party, though, a good thing for E.B. because it splits that sort of center-right oh, yeah. vote? As long as it doesn't keep rising. Yeah. <laughs> this is, and this is the concern the Democrats have, yeah. is that if it becomes a two-party fight again, yeah. really, really polarized, um, is the B.C. Conservative, if they basically, if B.C. United sinks below the waves, I'm not saying they will, you know, they've still got way more MLAs, but the next two months are going to be key, I think, because if the Conservatives keep rising, I think the chances of a spring election become much greater. Okay, although E.B. ruled that out again e. yesterday. And today. He said and no today. And today, and he's okay. He's doing that, but um, it was interesting. He had a slip of the tongue yesterday, so the next election is not for six months, which is <laughs> well, me. Freudian and, slip. And he said, wait, no, wait, wait, no, I meant 10 months. Oh. This is October. Oh, okay. All right, let's listen to Falcon here. Okay, leader of BC United, former Liberal Party. He was on the show here last week. I asked him about this rise of the BC Conservative Party. Here's what he had to say. By the time the next election rolls around, people will know exactly who BC United is. They'll know exactly what we stand for. They'll see that we've got outstanding candidates that we carefully vet. And I, frankly, there's, I, I don't think there's any scenario in which John Rustad would be uh, remotely ready to uh, step into the position of... Yeah, he's speaking about John Rustad, the leader of the Conservative Party there. Your thoughts? Well, the Conservatives have no organization. I mean, they're, it's a paper-thin group. They're, they're basically riding free in these polls. Yeah. But it's interesting. They've got to be wary of the, of the electorate. They can shift. I mean, Gordon Wilson and the Liberals had nothing back in 1991. Right. And they vaulted to almost knocking off the government. I remember Will Gordon Wilson, the Liberal leader in that election, telling me that one of his fears was he was afraid he might win. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't know who his caucus was. I, I said, what do you mean you're afraid you might win? Isn't that where you're running? And he goes, well, I, you know, we had, I didn't know who my people were running with me. I was worried was about how I'd form a we, we, I was at the Vancouver Sun. We woke up a Richmond MLA, Doug Simons, and woke him and said, hey, congratulations. He said, what are you talking about? He said, you're, you're the new MLA. And he was like, what? <laughs> didn't, he, so these, didn't he watch it? The next? No, he went to bed. <laughs> So expecting a, to lose a lot of these liberals because they only ran because oh, I'll carry the the party banner. I'll sure. do I'll do the part, you know the old faithful member. Yeah. They didn't expect to win, and no. and seventeen of them won. Um, but again, the tracking in the the polling in the election was such that they were they were absorbing all the social credit vote yeah. and just surging in the polls. And the NDP has to be a little worried that phenomenon could occur again. Okay, could we see history repeating? All right. Right to your phone calls here, John and Langley. Hi, John, go ahead. Just two quick points, gentlemen. Uh, firstly, uh, I applaud uh, Mayor Woodward as a homeowner in the township of Langley. We spent 30 years out here trying to avoid the, you know, uh, uh, developing a neighborhood plan. Uh, we're trying to avoid what happened up at Willoughby and Walnut Grove, the chaos with overdevelopment and lack of infrastructure up there. And secondly, I believe that closer to the election, uh, I think that the NDP isn't quite as safe as, as uh, Mr. Uh, uh, Baldry uh, claims them to feel. Uh, I, I think that uh, my, personally myself and I know a lot of other people out here will have nothing to do with the NDP in this Bill 44. Your comments, gentlemen. Well, who are you going to vote for then? I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm going conservative. Okay. All right. Yeah, and so if, there, if there's a vote split and neither of the Conservatives of BC United, you know, they basically both take 20, 25% of the vote, that's a gift to the NDP and they're going to win. Sure. Seats like Langley. Win big. They won one seat in Langley with the help of the Conservative vote in 2020. So they're not safe NDP seats. Yeah. I mean, that was a historic breakthrough. Is it a one time win? We'll, we'll find out. They are, Langley is getting another seat. Now, 
uh, our college. How the demographics of Langley, of Langley have changed over the years. Young families continue to relocate um, in that municipality. One of the interesting findings of the, this Abacus, Abacus data poll, and it mirrors some of the other polling, and it matches what Poliev is discovering, is that young men in particular under age 45 are, tend to vote conservative in greater numbers. Yeah. And one explanation may be that um, if you're the boomer generation, which is older, many members of the boomer generation own their homes. They've already been in the housing market for years. So housing is not a big issue to them. People in the age of 45 are the ones who can't get into the market. And they're going to blame governments for that. And Polyev is making good, yeah. good uh, traction on that. Out of that. Yeah. His solutions may not work, but it's not a bad issue for him to feast on. It's, sure. It will be interesting to see if United and, and, um, and the Conservatives uh, follow up on those issues. Yeah. Ed in Victoria. Hi, Ed. Go ahead. Hi, gentlemen. I, I think Kevin Falcon made a huge mistake trying to create a new party, even though it was a couple of years out from the next election. Um, there's name recognition is not there. He's going to have a really difficult time the next election. I think it's going to be a, a cakewalk for the the NDP. And I'm not voting NDP, but I think there's an awful lot of folks who believe, just like you do, that all the, all that uh, Kevin Falcon has done is is spread out the vote count between the the uh, United Party and BC United and the Conservatives. Thanks, Ed. You know, one of the smartest things the NDP did in its first term was banning corporate donations mm. and union donations. Yeah. That has crippled the BC United Party. Because they used to clean up in the big corporate money. They used money. to get $50,000 checks. Sure. Uh, just in a minute. They can't do that anymore. No. And that is showing up now at a time when they cr- they need they never needed more money than they need right now. Yeah. Because, they, as, a, as Ed just pointed out, they created a new party out of nothing. And you have to brand that party and rebrand it. And it costs a lot of money, and they don't have the money. Well, he also he said that he thinks the biggest mistake Falcon made was starting this new party or, or, or bringing in a new name. Maybe a bigger mistake was kicking John Rustad out of the uh, out of the caucus, well, I think who then took over this BC Conservative Party. They're probably, they're, I think they're related, basically. Yeah. You know, two wrong moves. I mean, the, changing the name has been a disaster. I've talked to some senior members of the old BC Liberal gang who are just aghast at what's happened um, because they won four elections. Yeah, sure. On with that name, and yeah. and the the excuse was, oh, people are confused by the by the Liberal name. Well, they're so confused they won four times. Now they're more confused. Exactly. Let's go to Kathleen in Coquitlam. Hi, Kathleen. Go ahead. Hi, hi, guys. I, I'm one of those who really support affordable housing, especially for our younger generation. But I deeply, uh, I'm deeply concerned about Bill 44 because it lacks any environmental protections for our tree canopy. And the science has shown that we need our mature trees in our neighborhoods for heat domes and essential green infrastructure. And right now with Bill 44, they'll take a house which has got one house and put up to four to six units on it, which will leave no conditions, the soil volume and permeable surface that trees need to thrive and survive so we are trading perhaps one disaster of a housing crisis for our younger generation for a climate crisis because we're going to lose our tree canopy in our neighborhoods yep. that we need to mitigate the effects of climate change and that hasn't been talked about i really hope mike you'll do a, a show about this and bring in some of the climate scientists Th- thanks kathleen and, and thank you Thank you for the call. Thirty seconds. Very interesting point. I haven't really heard. I thought about that one. That's very interesting. It's been raised in Vancouver as well. You remember within the heat dome, 
one of the recommendations that came out was to have more trees yeah. in municipalities. And that's an interesting point she made. 